0: And welcome back to Castle Rock Critical, or hello for the first time if this is indeed your first time listening to us. Today we're going to be discussing Castle Rock Season 1, Episode 6, titled Filter. Just a quick spoiler warning, uh, we're going to be discussing the whole of Season 1 of Castle Rock up to this point, And, as is our trademark, we'll also be discussing a lot of Stephen King adaptations and references throughout the series. Uh, and, you know, how they relate to the current episode of the show and previous episodes. So just a quick spoiler warning there. Today... I'm joined by the ever-reliant Gareth in Australia. How are you doing, mate?
1: Good morrow. Yeah, not too bad. How are you doing?
0: Yeah, good. Thanks, bud. And I'm also joined uh, by Lucy. Hi, Lucy. All right. We said last week how the show has gone from strength to strength uh, to its sort of midpoint, which was last week. And now we're approaching the home stretch, you know, in a, in essence, which is, you know, the, the final run of episodes. Thoughts on episode six, Gareth?
1: I've got mixed feelings about this episode, if I'm honest, in terms of... Um the quality of it final third of the episode was excellent i think um obviously we'll we'll talk about it later but we had some scenes in a forest that um we we spoke about twin peaks last week um but some of the things that happened in this episode were very twin peaksy for me um and the final scene was was intense so it definitely improved as it went on um but Given that first half or the first two thirds of the episode, I'm leaning reluctantly into a three blueberry rating uh, today.
0: Yep. And for anyone listening for the first time, a uh, the blueberry scale is something that we use to rate every single piece of television or film that we watch here at Fan Critical, our family of podcasting. And the scale is thus, zero is obviously the worst, five is the highest, and you can give zero halves. So it's a quite a harsh scale. So three from you, Gareth, that's... um. That's interesting. I thought you would have given it slightly higher. Lucy, coming to you next. What are your thoughts on the episode? I know you uh, thought the ending was quite strong.
2: Yeah, I I agree with Gareth, actually. The ending, I feel like this show gets you in the ending and you kind of forget what's gone before and that maybe it hasn't been that riveting. Um, Yeah, the end scene again. I love ending with a kid, obviously, fan over here. So I enjoyed that. I would, before we even went to Gaza. I thought in my mind it's a three and yeah, I'll give it three blueberries, I think. The part in the forest is very Kingian, if that's a thing. Um, It reminded me, yeah, yeah, if that's a word, it reminded me of a lot of um, just the meeting the strangers and that kind of thing and where it went. It was in the tradition of a lot of Stephen King works, but yeah, it still—I still really enjoy the show. But for me, it was a three.
0: Okay, well, uh, guys, I don't know if you can—you can hear that—that that noise, that that the sort of rumbling, uh, quite horrific noise going on in the background. Some say it's the voice of God. Um, we say it's the voice of John. He's sending uh, his thoughts, his absent thoughts, because he hasn't been here for ages. And he liked the episode, you know. So that's that's him being pleased it always just sounds disgruntled and terrifying
1: he liked the episode but he sounds far more miserable than any of
0: us yeah he's a miserable miserable man i'm gonna jump in on my thoughts i think uh last week's episode was the arguably the strongest of the season i think this episode is still very very good i'm not going to give it a five uh blueberries i'm going to give it a four blueberries um more shocks another shocking ending like we've just referenced and the fact that you know this show doesn't rest on its laurels. You might think not a lot's actually happened in the episode, but I can guarantee that when we go through the scene-by-scene recap in a minute, you'll be like, wow, actually, quite a lot has happened in this episode, especially a lot of explanation and a sort of, a lot of what I thought would be end-game content, sort of, things would be getting revealed towards the end, the last two or three episodes of the season. We're getting it in episode six. I do think there is a lot going on. I don't know where they're going to go from here because this kind of feels like a penultimate, episode of the season for me especially with the events with Ruth at the end I mean I just don't see how they're all just going to mill around for another four episodes Mm. but so let's 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 see what happens with that I want to say congratulations to the show because it has been officially renewed for season two which is excellent news Um, and I was very confident after seeing the first three episodes that that would be the case um, mainly just because it, it received a lot of critical acclaim I know that not a lot of people can watch this show at the moment obviously because it is on Hulu and the worldwide distribution has been tricky. You know, there's there's a lot of countries where this show hasn't even aired yet. So I'm looking forward to the rest of the, rest of the world to be able to see this show, to mm. be honest with you. So it's fantastic news that they've been renewed. So that's good. Good for the podcast.
2: Yeah, definitely.
1: When you said congratulations to the show, I thought you were talking about us. I was like, yeah, we have been renewed brilliant
0: um judging from how much we've enjoyed the show yeah congratulations to us as well we have renewed ourselves for season two of castle rock so congrats guys we'll be back also good news um well done i think we should move on so uh for any listeners here for the first time this is the way we do things we're gonna go scene by scene do a recap scene by scene and then we'll have a whole section at the end of the episode dedicated uh to any stephen king easter eggs or references or any theories that we've got and that'll be called king corner um everyone seems to like king corner so we're keeping that going also from last week we've introduced a feedback section so this week we've had a couple of emails and some feedback online and depending on how much time we've got to record we'll we'll be mentioning some of those and if you have any theories or think that we've missed anything or noticed any references that you think we haven't picked up on then please do email us at fancriticalpodcast at gmail.com that's fancriticalpodcast at gmail.com sorry to interrupt uh, your podcast listening, but I'm here to ask for your subscriptions. Yes, I know it's annoying, but if you have enjoyed the podcast or are enjoying our series of podcasts, then please do subscribe to Castle Rock Critical. That way the episode just gets downloaded to your phone nice and easy or any, whatever device you listen on. I don't know, you, you choose and you can listen to it when you want. Just worth noting, we have other podcasts. Fan Critical is our sort of ...hub, our parent podcast, and then there you get all of our content. So it could be Westworld, Black Mirror, Game of Thrones, Stranger Things... ...any Marvel film, we just did Ant-Man and the Wasp for example... Um, so if you're interested in any of that sort of stuff, just search fan critical on any podcast platform, be it Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts. That's the thing now. It's quite good. Check it out. And as I mentioned last week, let's grow this Castle Rock community. Excellent news that the show has been uh, you know, renewed for season two. But let's get more discussion going, let's get more theories going. Remember to check out our friends over at Castle Rock Historical Society, they're on any podcast app as well. They're awesome. Also, if you want like a quick overview on the show, I would also check out a channel called Nerdy Nomicon on YouTube. Um, our friend over there, Robbie, he basically gives like 20 sort of minute reviews of each episode and he has feedback in the comment section about some theories and some interesting theory discussion. So definitely check him out. It's a really good like recap for all of the episodes. We, we check him out weekly. And be sure to sign up to your Reddit group. your facebook groups last week we mentioned two they'll be in the description of the episode Uh, but want to shout out to another one here which is castle rock fans hulu they're a great friendly discussion group online Um, just search for them on facebook and basically they have a discussion every single week like all these groups do and you can like say theories and everyone's really friendly so i would highly recommend that for a detailed discussion on the show so in the recap we open up uh with the mysterious scary noise that we heard when Henry reappeared in 1991 on that frozen lake. Spooky, bloody spooky! That noise, and it's going to feature a lot throughout this episode. This noise is intercut with the burial of the Rev Matthew Dever to his new gravesite. It's, Can't
2: rest, can he? It
0: is my theory, and we've te- mentioned it in relation to Pet Cemetery, mainly because there's been all the you know signposting there with the dog and the suitcase and all that yeah. stuff in earlier episodes. But uh, the passage that is said by the priest here as he, as they're sort of burying the Rev is Corinthians 1554, guys. I do I like my little bit of religious... Corinthians
2: re- is where all the fucked up stuff is, isn't well, it?
0: Well, I like doing my religious research, Lucy, because in Westworld, for example, it's a lot of fun. And I like the way that the, the showrunners are putting these little religious mm. bits of information. And as we know, a big part of this show is religion you know, and trying to figure out what is supernatural and, and, you know, all these different characters believing their different religious beliefs and the voice of God is strongly referenced in this episode. So mm. this is the uh, the phrase that is said by by the guys burying the Rev. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Okay, so, mm. right. This... Is a passage referring to the resurrection of Jesus, yeah, and the defeating of death itself? Is in like not even death could defeat Jesus. Mm. Are we going to see that with with the Rev? I I think we're getting a resurrection by the end of this by the end of this oh season.
2: Gosh.
0: I think we're going to see let's the Rev again. Remember
2: with Jesus that he may have been resurrected, but it was short lived, and he went back ascension. Yeah, he went back to heaven. shortly Yeah, after. fine,
0: fine, but. Does that mean you think that the Rev's going to come back for a short time and then, then they're going to get rid no, of him? No, I,
2: d- I think if they start bringing in zombies, which is essentially what he would be, um, yeah. I, don't, I think it might jump the shark a bit for me if he starts coming out of his grave.
0: He ain't like just coming out of the coffin like Dracula, just waking up from his nap. No,
2: zombie, not Dracula. Yeah,
0: obviously, but I'm just saying... I just think... But
2: how is he coming back if he's not a zombie?
0: Well, he's a weird thing. I don't know.
2: Well, you know, the only thing I think he could come back in is, we will come onto to this, I'm sure, is the whole, what's now coming into it, with like the time continuums and the time loop Oh, yeah, things. boy. So we he, we may see him again like that, but I, I particularly don't want to see him as a zombie. I'm
1: with Lucy. I think um, a, a literal zombie is a problem. Um, he's also old leaky diva. What's his face going to look like? He's been dripping. He's all bandaged
0: up, mate? It's like Molly's seen him he's got all those bandages on me.
1: Well I know that might be a bit of foreshadowing. Yeah. But um but still he was leaking the contents of his of his uh coffin for a little while there, wasn't he? He's not going
0: to be in good shape. Yeah, he's uh you're right. He he had the leaking coffin. I just think there's a lot of signs there and a lot of alluding to a to a resurrection. But this opening section has a few moving parts. We're cutting between this burial um, the scary noise in in the forest, which we later find out is the voice of God, or as we call it, the voice of John. And we're also cutting between the kids creepily looking at old home movies of Henry and his father going out to the woods. So there's a lot going on. We also see the two weird guys that were at the Pangborn Bridge ceremony. Um, that they had a weird cutaway to them last week, and they a bit weird. And now we see them again in their sort of Breaking Bad style rv that yeah. they've just got loitering around there um but we'll come <laughs> on to them later doing. we have pangborn and the kid obviously last time we left the episode pangborn was confronting the kid in a very creepy uh, woodland area and you didn't know where it was going to go but the kid said that he could help ruth and the kid now is staying still in the outhouse at the back of the diva household and the sheriff uh, is asking him what he needs to get to help ruth and what he needs to get is apparently in Syracuse. Time is her enemy. So he's he's making him do stuff that he doesn't really want to do. Interesting from Pangborn because he seems desperate.
1: He He's on the edge, isn't he? Like, um, this is the thing. Love makes us do strange things, like move to Australia. Um,
0: All right, this isn't your life story, mate. Let's keep it on topic.
1: Or go and collect a car from Syracuse. <laughs> um, he'll do anything for her, even trust some... Um, Ageless monster as he sees him. So, um, yeah, we'll we'll get to how it pans out for him later. We
0: certainly will. So he, the kid, sends off uh, Pangborn to Syracuse. Uh, then he just wanders into the Diva household, plays a little bit of music. This song is, is quite interesting because obviously it's kind of referring to, as we just said, Pangborn's desperation and the fact that if he were to lose Ruth. If you listen to the lyrics of this song, it's very much sort of like he's doing everything he can to mm. save her. Fairly
2: upbeat, but yes, the words are actually quite the, poignant. It, I
0: mean, it sounds upbeat,
1: but
2: yeah. when you actually listen no, to the it... No, the like, tune is upbeat, and then the lyrics. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's quite quite sad.
1: Did anybody else think, when, when he put the music on, I thought we were going to see him like sliding across the floor... Risky and business. Doing a little,
0: yeah, little, all oh
1: like my Mrs. God. I thought he was going to play Animal stuff.
2: Crackers. I was like, please not again. I can't deal with this no, creepy tune. No
0: one play Animal Crackers <laughs> ever again. So the kid. Let's talk about him because Lucy, I know you're fond of his um, his nakedness in the in the it's pre. Not the
2: nakedness. It's just his face.
0: Well, you, you were a fan of his buttocks, though, as well. You did say I bloody love how naked he is. Yeah, very well, I think good that point. Was Emma? <laughs> very good point. So, like, just saying, your obsession with our Billy Boy, the kid. He's he's looking slightly terrifying in this episode. He's wearing <laughs> a suit that is too big for him. Now in England. Yeah. We have a saying here, don't know if it's the same in America, but when you're wearing a suit that doesn't fit or it's like too big for you, we always say like, oh, you're wearing your dad's suit. So It's not
2: a
1: saying. <laughs> it's not a saying. It's just that you are wearing your dad's suit. I did it to my prom and, it, you know, it, I looked like that. But I'm a small guy. You are tiny. And to be
0: fair, you get enveloped by most suits. <laughs> we have to, you know, shop for juniors for you, mate. But there's a, there's a theory floating around about the kid, right? Yes. That he is actually the son <laughs> Of the divas, yes, that they apparently lost.
2: Well, in yeah.
0: labour. Now, as the episode goes on, keep keep that little piece of you know theory in mind.
2: There was a moment I was watching it with Aaron, my boyfriend, and they Ooh. did a close up on. All right, um, show off. Oh, sorry, sorry, lads. Um, they did a close up on. <laughs> although Bill Skarsgård's listening, you know. Maybe I don't have a boyfriend. They did a close up on his face, and then a close up on Sissy Spacek's face. And Aaron was like, "Oh, do you think they're related? Because they look really similar." I was like, "Yeah, probably. You've probably just discovered that." But yeah, they've got cheekbones, the eyes, the way they juxtaposed it. I thought, "Hmm, there's something. There's recognition, and there's also potentially when he/she says about him being buried in that suit." Oh
0: yeah, we'll come on to that later. Okay, don't, don't you worry.
2: I'll, just, hold that thought. So hold I'll come the back thoughts, to that.
0: everyone. Yeah, I think
2: they could be related. There's definitely something between him and the. Dave the red. Yeah,
0: everyone hold on to your dad's suits and just <laughs> just bear with us on that one. That's the saying. Yeah, that's the saying. Yeah. Just we'll come to that. So, um Ruth after her jumping off a bridge. Fiasco. We'll call it a fiasco.
1: Absolute calamity.
0: Is apparently asked the same sort of word game at the doctors. What's going on with this word game? They're obsessed with this They're word obsessed. game. it
2: can cure yes. everything as well. Um, it's so simple. I've got a
0: cough. I've got a cold. Um, right. So I've asked you six words. Jesus. Yeah. I don't. I don't Yeah, really... I, th-
2: I
1: think I broke my leg. All right, well, repeat these six words back to me
2: and I'll tell you the cure.
0: Important to remember the words uh, that were connected between the kid and Henry doing the test back in 2016 were the words family and church. So obviously those two words are extremely important to Ruth as well, seeing as her husband was a reverend and, you know, she cares very much for her slightly strange weird family that she's got going on at the moment. She returns home and says that she needs a system And it's a creepy system, but I like it. It's a good system. We'll we'll come on to a bit. Hold that as well. Put a pin in that. We'll come on to that later as well. Henry had the brilliant idea, which we referenced last week, was a terrible idea. What is he thinking? What is he thinking? Bring in Wendell also. (laughs) What is he thinking? Name his kid Wendell. Wendell. What is he thinking with that? That's, That's problem A, isn't it? That's the first problem. Don't call your kid Wendell. Secondly don't bring him to the scariest most unsafe town in the world i mean gareth me and you've been to caracas in venezuela um if there's any <laughs> venezuelan listeners Quang. any venezuelan listeners i'm sorry that place was terrifying we had to stay in like a place with bars we didn't do anything for the 3 days because we were scared about going out
1: we were told don't go out and then when we did venture out yeah. we got stopped by the police who did a random drug search of us yeah
0: mental i mean terrifying that, very terrifying
1: however as terrifying as that was if um, if Henry had been visiting Caracas, it would have made more sense for him to call up Wendell and say, hey, mate, do you want to come and visit your old dad? Get a bus
2: to Caracas. That would have
0: made more sense.
2: The I mean, Cast,
0: Castle Rock, easily, you know, obviously we're getting a very distorted view of it, but it is terrifying.
2: He doesn't realise this, though, I don't think.
0: What, Henry? What, is he mad? Well, he just he, saw 20 guards get brutalised. He brutalized. thinks it's
2: fine for the fucking kid to just wander into his house wearing his dead dad's suit. He's just like, that's my client. Like, <laughs> he doesn't seem to be realised. How disturbing the town is. Um, I don't think he realises at all.
0: I think they're all just a bit blind to it. He hasn't been there, has he? With Maybe, all this stuff. He's just m- like,
2: I'll fly back because I've had a phone call. Like, he doesn't think, oh, no way. That place is living hell. And I was... Something bad happened to me there.
0: Maybe there's more at play here than we know. But, you know, he takes him home because the whole idea of getting Wendell there is so that uh, Ruth gets a chance to see Wendell before, you know, anything happens to her because her, her mental health is deteriorating and we all know that dementia and early onset Alzheimer's also affects your physical health in respects that you can just degrade very very quickly it's a very or horrible also disease what
2: could happen um is that your son's client could murder you that now, could also happen that
0: could also happen so just be aware if you see someone wearing their dad's suit just run all right but um, in England that
2: happens all the time so we're <laughs> supposed to do yeah
0: it's a saying. It's a famous <laughs> saying. so. You you get the sense here that Wendell and Henry are extremely distant. It's that sort of stereotypical story that you get in in most forms of fiction these days, and 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 nonfiction. To be honest with you,
1: uh, this annoyed me though. This annoyed me the like getting off the bus and like his phone's beeping away like he's playing an old Game Boy. Yeah, and and he's like, just just one second. I just need to beat level four. That was annoying. Fuck I mean, off.
0: as people who play games. You don't just go, oh yeah, and he's beat level four. That's you know, <laughs> level twenty-seven. If anything, if anything, mate, yeah, we're advanced players. If he's only he's been on that bus, how long's he been on that bus for? He's only on level four. Yeah,
2: Where does he live? Like Louisiana?
0: <laughs> no, Boston. He lives
1: in Boston. It's not that far
2: away. No, no right,
0: Well, you can do more than four levels, mate. I, mean, I don't know the game, but I could do it. <laughs> Expert. <laughs> so, um, back at the Diva household, they're having a nice family reunion of sort of sorts, uh, making some lunch. And what I like is a kitchen with a nice garden view. You can have a look out there, sort of look at the lovely nature, because they've got a lovely spot. I mean, mm. you've got the lovely woods out there, and it's the sun shining in the afternoon whilst you're having a nice corned beef sandwich, you know.
1: Turkey. They're having turkey
0: sandwiches well, They're today. having turkey, but, you know, here in England, there's a saying. Um, <laughs> eat your corned beef sandwiches. Um, and in your dad's suit. In <laughs> And you get to see uh, what is arguably the creepiest thing I've ever seen, a six foot eight, uh, tall man <laughs> <laughs> in his dad's suit, just staring at you. Just staring at you. He oh, looked like Slender Man, Gareth. And I, I know you're a big fan of Slender oh, Man. Oh god, um, don't. He's hot. Terrifying.
2: I wouldn't mind looking out the window and seeing him you. His dad's meant mentor. He I is terrifying. So good
3: looking. This
1: is the thing as well. Like you say, you've got this. Beautiful garden. You could be like, oh yes, this is the garden, and um, you know, here's our that's our rose bush. We planted that 15 years ago. Look how well it's going. Uh, that's our maple tree over there. That's our Bill Skarsgård staring at me in
2: his dad suit. <laughs> In his dad's suit. In his
0: dad's suit. So she says something very interesting here. She says, and when Ruth sees him, they all just sort of stand there. Wendell even says like, whoa, like, you know, Wendell seems to be normal. He's like, well, this is weird. (laughs) You know, everyone else just, you know, ask my client. Ruth says, I could have sworn we buried him in that suit. Um. So that's another call uh, to him being related in some way to the divas. Mm. Or perhaps... And there's another theory going around, which we'll come on to when we get to that scene in a bit, where it's possible that the kid is a reincarnation of uh, the Rev.
2: I think it's more likely to be he looks like the Rev, and she's like, that's him, like because of her, the way her mind is fracturing. Yeah. She thinks, oh, she's seeing him, and she maybe she sees him all the time because of the way what's happening with her mind, and we find out later about the different loops yeah. that she seems to exist in. Yeah. So I saw it as more potentially that she's thinking of Reverend Diva because he looks just like him she obviously never really knew what this child looked like for whatever reason
0: Yeah. Henry goes to see the kid uh, after the kid has stopped freaking everybody out (laughs) um, in the garden he's now retired to do the equally disturbing thing of watching loads of home movies of of Henry and the Rev from 1991 or around about that time and in these home movies Henry seems to be sort of leading the Rev, under the guidance of the Rev, uh, into the forest, following a sound. And obviously we get a lot more payoff with that as the episode goes on. Henry's disturbed, as you would be, and decides to, you know, as you would do with the kid. At this point, I'm backing Henry's play here of taking the kid to the mental asylum. I'm backing it because he's just creepy. He needs to be put somewhere or be tested or something. You know, I, I know he's had a hard... He's had a hard time, he's been locked up by Lacey for like twenty seven years. Um he hasn't aged a day, you know, so every cloud. But in <laughs> in all seriousness, I'm backing him taking him to Juniper Hill, right guys?
2: Yeah, that is probably the right thing to do. That's
1: gotta be that's gotta be step number one, really. You you don't get some creepy guy out of a prison who doesn't speak at all. Yeah. And go, Oh yeah, just come and live at my mum's house. She Is won't remember just it anyway.
2: Because of how he looks.
1: What, what do you
0: mean? Uh,
2: but as in what? to <laughs> Henry, we know obviously that there's major creep levels, but for Henry, yeah. he probably just thinks, oh, you know, he's been in a box for however long, he's probably forgotten how to speak. He does speak sometimes. Um he's in his dad's suit, which always makes anyone look yeah, weird, looks weird famously. Yeah. Um He I don't think again, Henry, I feel like we assume a lot of knowledge of him, like, oh Castle Rock's an awful town. He doesn't know that really oh, the kid's creepy and is the devil. He doesn't know that. So I think he acts ways that we're like, why have you done that? But it's because he's outside of the loop that we're all in and a lot of the other townsfolk are. Because he's an outsider.
0: Here's a saying that you say in England as well. Can't see the wood from the trees, Gareth.
1: Wait, that one we do, actually. Say, yes. <laughs> that's, uh,
0: so that's relevant. And maybe Henry can't yeah. see what's going on. Uh, obviously, we mentioned in King Corner last week, Juniper Hill is a very famous asylum in the King canon. It's where... Henry Bowers is taking in it and you know, it features prevalently in in a few King works. So it's cool to see it again. Um and there's some shocking information about it later. So guys, let's talk about the crows. What you what we think in there. Gareth, what you thinking about that, that crow just deciding to sort of kamikaze it onto the pavement.
1: Yeah, it topped itself. Um Sad enough. With a very audibly as well. It, yeah.
0: Um Well, if you're gonna do it, make a scene. So <laughs> Oh true. Yeah. Um
1: <laughs> yeah, don't. But um I didn't like this bit to be honest. It was a bit it's a bit cartoony, really. Like, oh god, look, he's so evil. He's so evil that crows are throwing themselves into the pavement. <laughs> and then the little comment as well from the lady, Oh, that's the second time this week. So, right, brilliant. Um, yeah. So for some reason, two crows have killed themselves. Crows can't it. stand
0: They've it. They've just had enough, mate. We'll talk more about the crows and some of the symbolism and relation to other Stephen King canon um, in King Corner. So stick around for that at the end of the episode. Okay. Back at the Diva household. So the kid is admitted. That's just, the kid has been admitted. Henry's like, yep, yeah, sorted that well, that's out.
1: That's the
2: last we'll be seeing of him. The last
0: we'll see of him. Whew. Good. Wipes his
1: hands Wipes his hands of the sordid affair
2: Yeah,
0: Mm -hmm. 100% Um, But back at the Diva household uh, Little Diva uh, is asking Henry Why the Divas adopted him
3: You were like six When you were adopted, right? Five Why didn't they have their own kid? They tried they lost a the baby during labor i guess they uh i guess they didn't want to go down that road again what were they like your real parents grandma and grandpa are my real parents
0: did they lose this child this is the interesting thing that we referenced at the start of the episode We're getting this little piece of information that they actually had a child and lost it uh, during labour. So obviously very Mm. close to the point of of birth, which is extremely interesting. Um, And I think something that maybe weighed heavily on the divas and maybe even influenced Mm. them adopting someone like Henry, who has the, the ability to hear the schisma or the voice of God. So I'm going to come on to some theories towards the end of this episode before king corner
2: mm.
0: where I reference maybe the motivations of the rev.
2: Well I think yeah I mean I don't want to tread on your toes for later but yeah watch I out think for those toes. potentially that yeah not losing the baby is definitely a potential I keep saying potential but yeah that could have happened but I think the rev may have taken the baby yeah. put him in a box. Oh because he thought he was the devil slash could hear the schisma. the Box schism, Box baby. And that baby grew up to be the kid. Something the like kid. that.
0: Bonsai baby.
2: Yeah. The baby turned into the kid. And yeah, maybe. And then and then that's why that could have had something to do with, I don't know, Ruth's degrading mental health. Maybe not. But there's a weird bond. She doesn't seem to recognise the kid. But then she does in the same way.
0: Yeah. And Henry, Henry even confronts Ruth. And um, as she's going to bed and she's had a very traumatic time, obviously. Uh, and he asks, what did me and me and Pops used to do in the forest? Picks um, his times, did not he? Yeah. And she's she's acting really strange about it, though, because as we've said, her selective memory is extremely is an interesting concept here because she might reveal pieces of the story that we just didn't think anyone else would remember. Or, you know, it's just very selective for her. And and her timeline management is is referenced in this episode. So Mm. she's acting very strangely. I think she knows something. Mm. Henry now goes to ask someone else's opinion on the situation of the woods. And that is Molly Strand. And as we know, Molly is an empath. She has the shining or a similar sort of shine. And she she goes for it, Gareth. Now, we criticized her um, back in episode three, I think it was, or episode four. Episode 4, we criticised her that she was going to just flippantly tell Henry at the bar that she killed his father. Uh, she went for it here.
3: When? I don't even know how I got there. It was just like a dream. Like your dream. For a while I convinced myself it it didn't really happen, but it did happen. He was lying there pulled out the tube. He was looking right at me when he died. What is wrong with you? It's true. He died of his injuries. No, he died because of me. Because it was what you wanted. You killed him for me. We did it together. When I looked down at my hand, it was like it was your hand. You did it through me you are fucking crazy. I
1: suppose the thing is it's probably not as significant a moment as you think it's going to be because we forget about the fact that he probably just won't believe her which I think I think is kind of my reading of that scene and um, you know she's like yeah i we killed him i was you and you were me she sounds like an absolute m- mental case like um it's not these aren't normal things to be saying to somebody
0: i think as far as reactions go you're fucking insane after someone's just admitted killing your father is actually quite a kind reaction um
2: yeah it's more the fact not that he she said I, i crept in and killed your father then he'd be like what but it's more i did it through you you were that like, as you said yeah. you were me i was you like she, we she felt it together i was doing it because you wanted me to that's what's fucking crazy she
0: sounds fanatical there she sounds obsessed which yeah. is something we know that she was because of this connection so she he's has not with Henry. believing
2: her not because he doesn't want like it sounds unlikely that she would have killed him it's because she's saying I did it through you it was like it was both of yeah. our hands I, don't like, the, I don't
0: like the way she's trying to absolve herself here of blame I, I find that very bemusing but if that's genuinely what she believes you know and, and we that know likely. that she it's has probably, the power that is
2: what happened I think he did hate him probably because he kept making him deaf with the schisma yeah giving him like earache which is yeah. really painful yeah so yeah I think she could sense the hatred and she was acting through him I think that's probably com- completely true what she said but it does sound nuts Mm. So don't well, blame
0: him for being like, nah, mate. He she was so close to capturing the man of her dreams, and now she's just pushed him away by killing his father. It's just it's a
2: classic story, it's it's classic a classic tragedy.
0: Tale. The Adventures of Pangborn uh, would be a very fun TV show, um, and I would fully subscribe to seeing our boy Scott Glenn playing Pangborn through the years. You know, just roaming around solving mysteries in and around the main the main area. He's gone to Syracuse to hunt down. Uh, Now what we know is the old car, the Lincoln, of uh, Dale Lacey. He's about to give up and leave in his car uh, because he couldn't find it in this sort of junkyard. He turns on uh, the car and what song do we hear again but 24 Hours from Tulsa? So...
2: And he gets like, "Mm, this again.
0: This again, yes. Get a new car. That's just, just do that. That'll solve the problem. Or new CD. We then hear on the radio chatter, quite subliminally and subtly, that there's been an incident. Uh, at Juniper Hill. It's been a catastrophe. Eight staff and six patients are dead after a fire broke out. Four patients escaped. So that's creepy, isn't it?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, just to go back to the song, 24 Hours to Tulsa. Um, as you know, I am a, a geography nerd. And one of the things that I thought would be interesting is to see how long it would take to drive from maine to tulsa now bear in mind obviously maine is an entire state so it depends where in maine you are but from the heart of maine it would take 27 hours to drive so i reckon if you were on the western border of maine which castle rock might be close to there i'm not sure where exactly it's placed i reckon you're looking at about 24 hours
0: well that's pretty mm. cool gaff good uh, good bit of research there from you that thanks mate uh, obviously the kids escaped less you know scary in his dad's suit again uh he 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 sees the old car though he sees the Lincoln. he pulls a gun on the guy uh to get it and once again we're seeing that desperation something that you know i'm going to come on to it in king corner this is a big turn of character for pangborn essentially because you know he's resisted years decades of supernatural events he's even fought the devil to an extent in needful things and resisted temptation and here he is maybe selling his soul to save the woman he loves very interesting point um and seeing this desperation on him is tragic in a way it's tragic
1: it is so sad and do you know what makes it really sad is that all of this is for it's he's in the twilight of his life as mm. well potentially it, he's he's just obviously He's battled his entire life, and he just wants a couple of years of happiness. That's all he needs, and it's really sad that it doesn't look like it's, he's going to get it. Mm,
0: it is sad. Um, let's hope he makes it through to the makes it through this whole ordeal. To be honest with you, because he's he's my favourite character, so big respect for Pangborn. Back at the Diva household uh, Wendell or Little Deeves, as we could call him is playing chess with the uh, chess with Ruth with the old uh, really cool chess pieces that we mentioned. There's this excellent exchange between the two of them.
3: Life used to go in one direction forward like one of those uh, people movers at the airport but somehow I got off it it's like I just brought your father home from foster care. He was half your size. Now here you are. and For all I know, my father's outside, taking care of his roses younger than me. And I never know when I'm going next. The neurologist said, find a coping mechanism. And I have one for every room in the house. See... I can get lost in the past. These are my breadcrumbs. If I find a chess piece in the icebox. Well, I know it's now. Not then. And I can find my way out of
0: the woods. So obviously that clip's alluding to the... very straightforward, In straightforward terms, alluding to the horror that is in dementia. Mm. Or early onset Alzheimer's. Um, you know, a very disturbing and horrible disease that destroys yes. lives. And... and her, you know, methodology of using... We mentioned the little statuettes last week mm. and how they are creepy and how they are unsettling and the way that they were being used. And now we get a payoff that they are being used as her system to tell when she's in the here and now. Very good system.
2: It's like Inception.
0: It's Yeah, a, tot- totem, a totem, yeah. yes.
2: Is this, am I now... Is this now, as we are constantly oh, saying God. in Westworld, yeah? Or have I like strayed into the past? It sounds it's quite scary, like the thought of that of like you're you're conscious, you're in you're like in your home, but you don't know, you know, you're seeing Henry and you're talking about oh, we'll take your shoes off, you'll catch cold or whatever. Yeah. It's, it is frightening and just having that i thought was a really good system Because you know right now i'm now because i can find these if you can't find them then you know that you've strayed into the past
0: as we just said it's probably just a straightforward way of her saying that she needs a system but there could be something more supernatural going on here
1: mm. yeah so this is this is what's this is one of the things that i think we've spoken about a lot with this show is how great it is that everything could be supernatural but also is kind of grounded in the potential to be reality and we can even talk about multiple dimensions and timelines and um, and, and different loops going on at the same time and portals to dimensions. even that is possibly just um, somebody going through uh, dementia and and kind of experiencing time differently based on that and feeling mm-hmm. like she's in the past yeah. when she's when she's not. Um, or there is the possibility that she actually is—that she is sort of straddling, um, straddling uh, dimensions. That's that's a possibility too. So you've got you've got that yeah. kind of dichotomy there between reality and the ridiculously out there.
2: Whichever it is, it's the same result for her. Like if she is time traveling, or she's as you say, it's like straddling different timelines, and time's no longer linear to her. Or if it's dementia, it's still as frightening Like either way for her. If it's just the reality of this horrible disease or if it's something more supernatural, she's still having to experience it the same way.
0: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Good, good points there. Henry's doing something very clever now. He is using the home videos that the kid unearthed uh, to track the exact path that he used to go into the woods with his father back all those years ago in 1991. As it gets to night time, he stumbles upon... Uh, the two weirdos who were watching The Burial of the Rev earlier in this episode and were also at the the Pangborn ceremonial opening of the bridge uh, the, the previous episode. We learn that they are Willy and Odin Branch. Before we uh, get into their discussion or whatever, this guy, this character, Odin Branch, played by CJ Jones, he is incredible.
2: Is he actually a deaf actor? Yes.
0: I don't know. That's a very good point. I don't think he is. Oh. His acting... And his use of sign language in just a way that I haven't really seen. It was so expressionate. It was just so expressionate what he was doing was excellent. I think he yeah. steals this episode for me. This guy just blew me yeah. away. Loved him.
1: I agree. I totally agree. First of all, his name, Odin Branch. Cool awesome name. name. Oh, that's that's good. Um, but yeah, there's something, there's something really kind of... Um, surreal about him and and i think the the deafness helps with that and yeah his sign language is is ridiculously expressionate and he's got a creepy little sidekick in in willy but yeah he's got this kind of ethereal air about him like he's some sort of um i don't know crusader odin branch like he feels like uh somebody who's who's all-knowing and is leading the the mortal battle against the gods or something? Yeah, um, it's he's, just he feels kind of like epic. something out of
0: Dark Tower series. That's what he feels like to me. Yeah. He, he feels like that sort of character who who knows a bit more than he's alluding to. This is what they say they are doing out in the woods.
3: Some here at once, and never again. A lucky few here are constantly, practically deafened by it. Lucky. And there are geographic variations, naturally. <laughs> Quiet in some places. Much louder in others. You're saying? You're saying my dad believed he could hear God... out here? For a time. The ancients called it the music of the spheres. Of course, I have a more scientific view of the nature of the schisma. It's the preferred nomenclature now. So you don't believe God is talking directly to you? Henry, I have advanced degrees in bio and psychoacoustics. Best I can tell, schisma is actually nanoscale turbulences. Caused by Copland or quantum totalities upbraiding in parallel. Other years, Other nows. All possible pasts, All possible presents. Schisma is the sound of the universe.
0: They say they're listening to the voice of God. Uh, we know for a fact that that's what Lacey said he was doing. Right. Listening to the word of God, waiting around for a sign. We also know that Lacey used to go out to the woods and that was his church. There's a line in episode two saying that Lacey spent, didn't go to church with his wife. He spent more time in the woods. The woods were his church. So there's a huge connection to the Rev Deeves here.
2: Yeah. And I think I said originally that I have really felt that the word of God that informed Lacey to do what he did with the kid came from the reverend in some way i knew that there'd be some kind of link and i think this shows again that it's really moving towards that conclusion
0: yeah they're going to have some sort of intertwined story that's going to reveal itself as these next four episodes come along um so the voice of god music of the spheres as the ancients used to call it that's interesting don't don't know much about that or schisma so we're getting some interesting religious connotations mixed with some hard science fiction here so we're mixing sort of king supernatural elements with hard sci-fi uh and king corner is going to be fun because this for me brings in the central king work of you know the king work of the dark tower series um, and really threads that throughout this whole show which i think is excellent because that is essentially the bridge to the multiverse, that is the connecting sinew that runs throughout everything in the King canon. hasn't risen to these levels in decades, he says. So decades, 27 years was probably the last time that this level of schisma Mm. had been reported. So obviously linking into Henry, they're obviously tracking Henry. They're obviously interested in him as a source of knowledge because they were at the Pangborn Bridge thing and yep. they were at the burial of the Rev.
2: Creeping around. Creeping
0: around. So we know that they, they want Henry for some reason, right?
2: Maybe he was involved before Odin Branch in his disappearance and he had him because he's obviously some kind of receptacle for the schisma. Like, again, I said in, I think, last week or a couple of weeks before when the kid asked him, can you hear it now? And I said, "It's." I thought it was something to do with the sound that is heard when Henry is found and that's obviously linked as well. So yeah. I think the kid is aware of the schisma too, and it's another thing that links Henry. Yeah, and we, He's a receptacle for it, yeah, I would think, for so sure. The
0: kid can hear it, and we know that the kid tunes in a lot of noise.
3: Mm,
2: so he has everything.
0: Interest, imagine putting the kid in this box. That'd yeah. be interesting, wouldn't it? That'd finally block out every all the horrors that he can hear, and maybe he can hear extremely clearly some instructions about what to do.
1: Do you think there's a chance that Henry is related to Odin Branch? Because, obviously, Odin Brunch and the Deeves go back a a while. Um, They've both got... I mean, my first thought was that, you know, oh, he's deaf and Henry has uh, tinnitus or some kind of ailment. Perhaps that's the thing. It later turns out that, you know, the the deafness is self-inflicted. But... I thought maybe that that was a hint that they were connected in, in a deeper way as well. Maybe.
0: He knows a lot about Henry, obviously. And as we said, they've been tracking him. So his connection to Henry obviously goes back to 1991 mm. and maybe even predates that. Um, what's interesting is that we learned that Odin and the Rev were working together. The Rev was, you know, concocting a device that would block out the noise, you know, just the re- the regular sort of noise that engulfs the world. And so that people with the ability to hear... The schisma, like Henry, uh, like Odin Branch, would be able to hear with more clarity the word or the voice of God. Now, it's interesting to note, maybe, Henry, just maybe, the reason you disappeared is because you're mixing up yourself with these absolute nut jobs, right? Mm. Absolute nutters. Just, you know, <laughs> I've got a special room in my RV. Why has um, it gone in there? Why have you gone in there, mate? They deafen yeah. themselves. You know he's, he's using curious. a hot, hot poker. Yeah. I feel sorry for Willie. He doesn't seem convinced.
2: It's not medically sound either, doing it like that, is it? Where's the antiseptic?
0: Yes, I a mean, putting hot thing
2: in your ear. Oh, the pain.
0: So Odin says something extremely creepy, uh, which is, I made myself perfect by, you know, essentially, yeah. He uh, says deafening no, not himself. Death, perfect. Not deaf, perfect. Creepy. Locks creepy. the door. No sympathy for Henry here. Why have you done that? I've Why got no. I've him, got. I you know, I've got no sympathy for him because. He's putting himself in these stupid situations. So this next sequence is extremely, extremely, extremely interesting. It is the schisma uh, finally getting through to Henry as he... All the other noise is blocked out and he can finally see with a bit of clarity. Although he does look like he's in agonising pain. I must say that. yeah. Yeah, his ears are bloody... He's, you know, once again, Henry, no sympathy. What are you doing? So... I freeze framed this guys. I have gone through with a fine comb and I have freeze framed and some of them are literally weird. only a frame long. Some of these uh, some of these images here. So this is what we see or what has been, you know, what we've been allowed to see by the editor and the showrunners um, that Henry sees. We see flashes of the woods. And the Rev leading him through there. So we knew that already from the home videos. We see extremely trippy images of the sky melting into itself. Like galaxies merging. Very trippy. It's like an LSD trip. Yeah. And as we know from the previous chat with Odin. um, He sees this. The schisma. As multiple timelines and parallel universes. All interacting and trying to reconcile with Mm. one another, okay? So keep that in your mind. It could be a gateway of sorts to other realities, parallel Mm. universes, other dimensions. We see images of Henry back in the cage that we've seen before, playing with that toy car. We've seen some quick flashes of it once before when he was having dreams about it back in episode four. We then see a close-up of Henry's eye with a reflection of the woods in it and... You know, this is open to interpretation, but I've stared at it for a while. Some extremely tall, slender man-like shadowy figures that seem very inhuman uh, are in the reflection in his eye. So that was creepy when creepy. I was just going through that for a bit of research earlier today. Not,
1: mm. not the sort creepy of thing A-F. you want to see.
0: Especially if I find out that everyone else tells me I'm mad and they're not there. That's kind of
2: scary. I'm going to check and frighten you.
0: Yeah. So. I
1: also think that it's creepy enough that you're just sitting there on your own staring at a still shot of, of this.
0: It's, this is creepy. It's called dedication. You know, I, I want to give you guys the best information I can. Um, we see trippy close up shots. I'm using the word trippy a lot because it is like a trip. Uh, close up shots of the kids face and eyes. I had to rewind this several times to make sure who it was. It is the kid um, closely followed by a knife soaked in blood? Very important, uh, as a reference point for the end of the episode. Here, uh, Henry wearing now, I wasn't sure about this. I've rewound it. It's, it's either Henry soon. wearing some fly shades or Wendell wearing some They're very fly cool, shades, aren't they? Yeah, and very in modern. some sort of interrogation room, taking them off. So I'm not why sure. Why is he
2: wearing? If he's gone missing in like just before Christmas, yeah. Why would he have cool shades?
0: Well, it could be Wendell. So yeah,
2: they look they look fairly they, similar. No, I think
0: the casting's excellent. I think they look extremely the similar two as children, kids. Yeah. We also see a man, what I believe to be a man, standing outside the cage that we see uh, Henry in his flashbacks in with a huge knife, big one, really big knife. So that's interesting. And then we see little Henry running very fast through the woods. So that all happens, like, in a matter of a minute. You see all of those things. Mm. Any information there that jumped out at you guys? I mean, uh, the one that's
1: creeping me out is these Slender Man-esque figures. Oh, yeah, boy. Standing around. If that's, um, I don't know, if, uh, did they look like the kid? Like, is that what you were thinking?
0: They're shadowy, mate. They're like elongated shadows.
1: Oh, God. All right. That's creepy. I mean, what is that? This is this is interesting, but I think it's it's deliberately going to be vague at this point. Oh yeah, it?
0: I'm just going to say right now. I think it's a fun time to have a little theory discussion after um, that little spurt of images and and references <laughs> that we've seen. <laughs> Don't say spurt. <laughs> I'm going to say spurt. Let's run let's run through a, f- a few theories before we get to the end scene. We've already said uh, that one theory we like is the fact that the kid is, in fact, the D.Va's original son mm-hmm. that was apparently lost in labor and that was thought to be dead. Another theory that's been floating around and I've been doing a bit of research on is that the schisma connects to so many timelines and parallel universes, potentially, as we've just referenced. And this, as we'll come on to in King Corner, relates to the Dark Tower series. Potentially, he is the diva's kid who survived in another timeline and the rev adopted Henry and used him for his ability to find a gate to this alternate timeline, which inadvertently transported Henry or killed him. And the Henry we see appear on the lake is brought back by the schisma at that point in time or he walks back through the gate. Oh, shit. Um, remember important thing to note here that when Henry was talking to the client who, uh, got executed in the very first episode in the pilot, she said, does the tape get erased when you die? If that happens, are you a different person? That is probably what's happened to Henry at some point. Um, uh, maybe he died or this is a different Henry altogether from a different timeline or a different universe, And the tape got erased, which is why he can't remember anything before twenty-four hours in Tulsa. So, guys, do you do you like that theory?
2: I do like that theory, and I think it fits in with Gareth what you were saying about Henry potentially being Odin Branch's son. He may have been given to the the Divas to use to access the Schisma because he knew he had the the uh, The ability, the Shin, as it were, the Shining. So, yeah, I like that. It is. Fairly complex, and I'm not, like, the biggest one for parallel universes and yeah. timelines. Yeah, Um And it also, then yeah. would fit in with alternate dimensions, fits in with it, and that being yeah. an interdimensional being. Correct. And every 27 years, maybe the schismar only comes every 27 years. Yeah. And then that's how things like the kid, whoever he may be, or Pennywise, well, not Pennywise, it, yeah accessing castle rock because yeah. it's, the schisma is located in the forest there yeah
0: and gareth I, I, from judging from your reaction you like that theory i my
1: mind is blown i love that theory um i am a big fan of of multiple dimensions because uh, one of the things about it is that it is actually grounded in some scientific possibility as well definitely um there is a there's there's a strong chance or there is definitely no way of ruling out that possibility um, of being real so man I love that that makes that makes a lot of sense and just that's why he doesn't remember anything exactly beforehand.
0: erase the tape my friend erase the tape now after everyone's minds have been sufficiently blown um, let's move on to the last scene and this is easily the most menacing we have seen the kid
3: Eep. got it I got that fucking winking truck will be here with it by the morning. What do we do then? There will be a monument. What? To Warden Lacey. What the fuck are you talking about? To everyone who helped put me in that cage. You said you'd fucking help her. Why would you say that? Jesus Christ. Where's Ruth? Why would you leave me in that trunk, Sheriff? Ruthie!
0: So guys, the kid. We've said he's misunderstood. We've said he's a he's a product of nurture not nature. Mm. Um, however, this is the most menacing and terrifying he has been since he stood in the garden earlier this wi- this wi- this episode. Um, <laughs> is Ruth dead?
2: No, no. I hope not. Because I have been very pro the kid, probably because yeah. I fancy Bill Skarsgård. But I think if he has killed roof and it's a fridge too far for me and i'm gonna a to fridge too far end. yeah do you say a fridge a fridge yeah. too far i got one for your 30 a fridge too far so in
0: england we have a saying <laughs> a fridge too far
2: <laughs> i think i don't know what the thing about this is going back to pangborn and pangborn sort of rationale and motivation so
0: desperation in the, la-
2: in the last episode i said like what was he thinking letting um lacy drive off with him like how could he do that? And you all said, you know, that's the sort of thing that happens in Castle Rock, maybe because of the things he's seen, etcetera, etcetera. So how has he gone from like, Why haven't you aged today? You're some kind of being, are you the devil to, Yeah, I'll do what you say, I'll leave you alone, whatever. Yeah. You're the boss. Like, yeah. why I know he's desperate, but he's abandoned all rationale yeah, to just has. to flip flop and think, right, you're the devil, that's why I allowed you to go and be locked away and I was fine with it. And I haven't like, you know, I don't really have any regrets to them being like Oh, I can help her. Okay, are you devil? Nah. Well, the devil's not going to say that he is. Leland Gaunt didn't say he was the devil. Good point. So why have you trusted him enough? And but the thing is, I trusted him. And then when he said, like, you know, I'm going to build a monument, I was like, what's that now? And, you know, <laughs> you shouldn't have left me. And I was like, oh, shit, you have literally Shit, just, son. He sent you on an errand so he can go and kill fool, your wife. A fool's
0: errand. Yeah, massive. Um, so as I referenced earlier, the knife imagery with blood and there's... um that sort of imagery that, that Henry sees in the schism schisma chamber, as I'm calling it. We see that imagery and obviously here the kid is injured. I am one to believe that Ruth is okay and young Wendell. Let us not forget Ooh,
2: completely forgot Wendell. young
0: Wendell is in that household as well. Um I think she stabbed the kid's hand yeah. with a knife and ran off, and I think that's obviously a very dangerous thing for her to do because not being in her surroundings with her system, uh, with her dementia, is going to be extremely challenging for A. Pangborn to find her. Uh, and you know, I think the next episode will be the hunt for Wendell and Ruth, and I and I hope they're together. Uh, well, you
2: know. I heard I don't you know I don't know if it's a spoiler, but I read. I don't think it's a spoiler that um, episode seven is like Ruth centred, so it's all about Good. her. So you'll probably Give see her from the Space past. Sissy Spacek more
0: time. Yeah, she's 100%. awesome.
2: So we're going to see much more of Ruth about her past, how she links to all of this, what she knows. I assume, and hopefully, we'll find out that she's fine.
0: Excellent. I
1: think, yeah, there's there's no doubt. You wouldn't you wouldn't go through the trouble of explaining this system that she's got if we're not going to see it in action or its absence um in action.
0: So
2: then I thought, you know, Zaleski. Uh
0: the show is not uh a stranger for shocking us. It it does uh provide shocks on a weekly basis. It, even if you think an episode is coasting along, uh something towards the end of the episode will shock you. So mm. you know, it's not out of realm that she's gone, but however I think Sissy Spacek is doing a fantastic job and I think she's a more integral character than say Zaleski was. I do think we'll be seeing more of her and I hope next week is a Sissy Spacek episode because uh, she deserves it. I think she's been excellent, uh, especially portraying a woman who is suffering with a horrific disease um, surrounded by, uh, you know, very troubled characters and a very supernatural um, element as well. So let's hope for more of her next week. And I think that's it, guys, for this uh, scene by scene recap. It's Mm. now time to move on to the ever popular, ever growing an ever-loved segment that is King Corner.
3: I'm innocent, Red. Just like everybody else here. The house is burning. am Georgie! I'm afraid I have a tendency to turn up the heat. Red rum! Red rum! Creepy carry! Creepy carry! You <laughs> float terror! out. Put your no! Good job. Good job, no.
0: So, no Emma this week. She apologises. She's on holiday, having a break. Uh, But she sent me her notes, and I've got my notes. And together, they're very good notes. So have no fear. It's going to be an excellent King Corner, because there's a lot to discuss this week. Firstly, let's discuss our favourite Castle Rock resident and the protector of Castle Rock, Hangborn. It kind of feels, though, like I said in the main cast, like he's given up his soul to the devil, which is an extremely interesting concept considering he has actually battled the devil before in Needful Things, Leland Gaunt, and resisted the urges that everyone else gave into around him. Mm. Lucy, as a reader of the King novels, are you disturbed by this development?
2: I am, but what you have to remember, especially about um, Needful Things, is that these people were consumed by consumerism and they wanted things. What yes. he wants to do is save his love, and I actually think that's really noble.
0: Noble so and... So I don't think... Yeah.
2: As much as it is quite a disturbing turnaround, you can see the desperation in it. I think it just humanizes him a bit more Yeah. because he's quite gruff, and yeah. now you see that... As I think you said earlier, Gareth, he just wants happiness. He did lose his wife and his child earlier on um, in his life. So you can't begrudge him this happiness. And yeah. I, I don't blame him for wanting to try. But I do think you've lost, you've taken leave of all reason by yeah. trusting this man that you yeah. thought it was right to lock into a, a cave because I he was a devil.
0: just hope he survives. As I said in the main cast, long live Pangborn. So he's got to
2: be in the next series. He's got
0: to be. Well, the next series is is not going to involve any of these characters. Isn't it? No, it's an anthology type show. So there'll be a whole, potentially a whole set of new characters. He
2: could still be in it, like he's in quite a few of the King books. He
0: could, maybe played by a younger actor if it's set in the past
2: who would you cast
0: uh, well he has been played before by as we've referenced in earlier podcasts Ed Harris, Ed Harris the and shit, uh, the guy who plays Merrill in The Walking Dead I cannot remember the actor's name for the life of me uh, Oh, Michael Rooker Michael Rooker so so that would be interesting to get one of those guys who would you
2: have him as a young Pangborn who would you have a young
0: born? Pangborn I'd go with uh, Ryan Corkin. Gosling okay I feel like he does a good sort of detective vibe after his Blade Runner shenanigans do you
2: not think he gives a little bit too laid back He's got like quite a carefree vibe about him, even in, not really in Blade Runner. But
0: I just want to see him, you know, let his hair down. Okay, <laughs> let's move it on. So uh, little one here, little King Corner fact. Uh, the kid who plays Henry's son Wendell is Chosen Jacobs, who uh, played Mike in the latest iteration of It, uh, which obviously links to Bill Skarsgård as well, as he was in that. Cool so, name,
2: Chosen Jacobs.
0: Yeah, pretty cool name. So that's really cool that they've got another link there. Um, obviously just picking up that sweet King work, yo. picking it up. Um, Moving on to the crows and the birds in this Mm. episode. Um, Obviously, I'm going to pick up a couple of references here. Uh, The crows uh, relate to the dark half. And this is what Stephen King had to say about his inspiration for the dark half, uh, which is also set in and around Castle Rock. In the dark half, I tried to answer the question, where do you get your ideas? It seems to me that for most writers... There really is another person hiding inside, right? So, Lucy, just stopping it there. Obviously, the dark half uh, is about... Is it an author's stories that so come to light? So, um, basically,
2: the author, Tad... It's spelled Thad, but I'm assuming yeah. it's, it's pronounced Tad Beaumont, um, who writes under an alias, George yeah. Stark. Yeah. And he writes murders basically from and they start this, coming true yeah right? but then he basically wants to just write in his own name like yeah. Stephen King did with Richard Backman so he holds like a, a mock funeral for George Stark and it has a, a um, gravestone which I think says not a very nice guy George yeah. Stark yeah. and then there starts to be murders done in the style of
1: of what the, was written in, in the book,
2: the book. So it's basically the idea of the duality of the author. But I think, because I've read so many of these books, a lot of when I was younger, I can't remember, but I swear this book starts with Tad walking down the road and a crow talking to him, I swear. Well,
0: so let's carry on with Stephen King's words of inspiration that inspired him to write The Dark Half. There was one problem. I didn't know how to end it. Then one day... While I was on my way to my office, I saw a huge flock of crows, huge enough to darken and appreciate part of the sky. They all took wing at once. They made me think of a poem by H.P. Lo- Lovecraft, which, Gareth, I know that we're big Lovecraftian fans. and we so And Lucy, and we've mentioned um, the sort of H.P. Lovecraftian vibes of this show. It made him think of a H.P. Lovecraft poem called The Psycho Pomp, about a bird who is an emissary of death and a winged messenger between the land inhabited by mortals and that of the afterlife. So the birds, not psycho Alfred Hitchcock version, sorry. Uh, That's this very interesting sort of words from from Stephen King there, talking about birds and how important he saw them in one of his earlier works as the Dark Half. Mm,
2: messengers, maybe.
0: Messengers, that one, Killing Itself, definitely had a message Uh
2: we had a hate point. The kid. Was I think a point. May-
0: maybe the crow was trying to... And I don't know if you agree with me here, Gareth. The crow was trying to say, you know, uh, <laughs> don't admit the kid. Uh, you're all going to die in a fire in a minute. So yeah. I'll kill myself. Sacrifice. Yeah. And maybe you'll be all right. Well,
1: that giant squawk that it made as it flew to the ground. If yeah. you put the subtitles up, if you put subtitles up in English, it did say as it was flying down and it went, Wah! it said... Don't, don't do it, don't do it. Send him away immediately, quickly.
0: Exactly, and you would only get that if uh, you had the subtitle option. Sticking with the crows, um, and in the stand, here's uh, some interesting information about the uh, the main antagonist, the sort of the evil entity in the stand. He looks like anybody you would see on the street, maybe like the kids perhaps, but when he grins, birds fall dead off the telephone lines. He's always outside. He came out of time. He doesn't know himself. He has the name of a thousand demons. So a lot of interesting references there to perhaps the kid. We see the birds die. The references to different timelines and the fact that Ruth was talking about skipping through time.
2: Doesn't know himself.
0: Doesn't know himself. Has very little memory of what's going on. His name
2: is the word of God.
0: Yeah, very interesting parallels here between some of the stuff going on.
2: He
1: has the name of A Thousand Demons. Maybe, maybe that's literal though, and that's just his first name.
0: Like, hello, I'm a Thousand Demons Johnson. (laughs) Uh, My name's Thousand, Thousand Demons. Um, (laughs) So I like that. I like that and I think it's extremely relevant to the kid. Let's talk about the schisma itself, because obviously that is the big reveal this episode um, is the fact that the schisma is described by Odin as an intersection to all possible paths this clearly is a reference to the dark tower and the series of books centered uh on the dark tower now the dark tower connects the whole of the king multiverse and is in fact the connective sinew the intersection between realities dimensions and everything in the king multiverse we've mentioned in previous king corners the overarching demon god entity that is the crimson king now it seems like this overarching terror is possibly behind what's going on is he the voice of god what god are they talking about guys
1: mm. oh the god of plenty
0: <laughs> so gareth there is a god uh, uh, a sort of uh, the light side of the force as you would relate it to maybe star wars um there is a god in the king canon called gan um it's first, uh, he, he's in the Dark Tower. You learn about him as, as you get through the series, um, maybe the seventh or eighth book. Is it seventh? Maybe seventh. I can't remember. I haven't read them for a while. But I, he, basically, as you go through the Dark Tower series, he's described as speaking through the voices of the Kankala, or what men call angels. He basically sort of, he's the sort of opposing force to the Crimson King. Um, he created all of the universes in which Stephen King's stories live. So maybe he's the God they're hearing as well. Very interesting sort of sort of thoughts there. So mm-hmm. you've got these opposing forces of good and evil. Which one is the one that's trying to communicate with people?
2: Could definitely be an interdimensional God rather than the God of our Bible.
0: It definitely is not the literal um, sort of...
2: Christian God, Christian
0: God that they're talking about. I think, I think it's going to be revealed to be a much more sinister or
2: completely alien,
0: completely alien sort of influence. Um,
1: well, the other thing is, you know, when if you're like if you're mortal, do you really know the difference
0: between
1: God speaking to bang you on, or absolutely
0: bang on there? And my next note is, it shows how easily um, that the voice of God can be misinterpreted by mere mortal men, such as the Rev, uh, Odin, and Lacey. Not Odin, the Norse god. Odin, the deaf schism man. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> I think Odin, call the Norse him. god, might know what's going on. Yeah. So talking about it being alien um, in nature, this noise. Uh, and I've been getting these sort of vibes throughout the show. Uh, and that is that of the Tommyknockers. Now, I don't know if any of you guys have read the book or I seen the, the adaptation. F-
2: yeah, I saw that when I was a kid.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I've, I haven't seen the film or the miniseries. I can't remember which one it was for a very long time, but I remember it sticking with me because I'm a big science fiction fan. Mm.
2: Um,
0: and I love the idea. I, like the, I love the story of the Tommyknockers, which is basically a hidden spacecraft in the woods that starts infecting this small town in Maine again, <laughs> once again, In Maine. Um, And so I was just thinking about it, that maybe this noise is from a spacecraft or something like the Tommyknockers um, that is buried in the woods, because obviously that's where it seems to emanate from. Mm. And even in the story of the Tommyknockers, a kid, a young boy disappears in it like near the start. So it's kind of got that sort of vibe to it as well. So there's just a little Easter egg there. I think they are leaning on this sort of alien nature especially with their references to the science fiction elements and, and trying to move away maybe from a supernatural yeah. explanation to a scientific explanation. I think they're definitely leaning upon this sort of alien vibe. Could be Knocker's, could just be a nod to it. I like it. Gareth, thoughts?
1: The, the, eman- the, the sound that's emanating from the wood. <clears throat> um, I'm, I was wondering whether uh, when Henry stepped into his sound booth, whether the clarity would just um, appear immediately and we would find out exactly what it is. But we haven't yet. Um, so, theorise away, mate. I, yeah. Um, yeah, let's yeah. see what happens. Did
2: you know The Tommy Knockers was written by Stephen King when he was, like, off his face on heroin and alcohol? Well. So he doesn't remember writing it, doesn't remember anything about it. Fair enough. Don't go <laughs> oh, and ask
0: Stephen King about it. He don't remember. Nope.
1: It'd be about as useful as asking Ruth about about your past wouldn't it
0: yeah don't do it well she, she don't remember. remembers certain things so um yeah and that's it uh, this week for king corner i think there's some interesting stuff in there there's a lot of heavy information in there guys so um if you have liked any of those little uh nuggets of information that we just provided then do go check out any of the books that we've just mentioned and now we're going to move on to a new section a short section of
3: feedback How do you like it? (laughs) Okay. Let's talk. What do you want to talk?
0: So we're now doing feedback every single week and the support that you guys have been providing uh, to this podcast is amazing. So please do keep pieces of feedback coming in. Any thoughts or theories you have, let us know on our Instagram channel, fan underscore critical on our Facebook, which is fan critical, or just email us at fan critical podcast at gmail.com or reply to any of our social media posts and maybe we'll get time to mention some of them. We haven't got too much time left this week. Uh, but I thought I'd mention a couple of things. We had an email from Nicola who was asking, could you recommend any good Stephen King novels? I've read a few but didn't enjoy them, but maybe I've read the wrong ones. When King writes psycho people and character development, he's fantastic, but then he goes over the top with with the supernatural element and that loses me. Maybe King novels aren't just for me. I did, however, enjoy Dolores Claiborne, Carrie, The Shining, and Shawshank are amongst my favourite films. So very good point and we've said this before that Stephen King can put people off because of the supernatural element Mm. and obviously this show is heavily leaning into supernatural elements but here's a couple of recommendations so for this show because it's centering around a couple of really important king works. I would say definitely check out, and this is from Emma as well and you, Lucy. Yeah. Uh definitely check out Nevil Things and the Dead Zone, because those two are musts so far from what we've heard from yeah. you know and including the characters of Pangborn and some of the events and locations that are mentioned in this show. But if you're not interested in the supernatural stuff, do definitely check out the uh, the short story collections. Definitely. Which I know you're a big fan of, Lucy. Yeah. So the two that we have to recommend are Nightmares and Dreamscapes. And of course, the one that people will probably like more if they're into less of the supernatural stuff is Different Seasons. And that Different Seasons book contains several short stories. It contains Shank Redemption, Rita Hayworth and The Body, all of which are located pretty much yeah. in Castle Rock or around Castle County. So... Check those out. And thanks for that email, Nicola. That was great. Uh, Replying to uh, one of our Facebook uh, posts about, you know, who is the kid? We were asking this question last week in the podcast. Um, Someone called, and I apologize if I get the name wrong. Um, This is a tricky name Trista Firetray. So, good
2: name. Quite a cool name.
0: Oh, cool name. Um, Well done. Said this There is a fan theory that the kid is simply the embodiment of Stephen King, not literally Stephen King himself a caricature of King and a who slash what he represents in relation to all of his characters, the locations in Maine and the stories of the past. Stephen King is essentially the one responsible for the bad things that go on. He can help or hurt characters. He can metaphorically find himself locked away in a cage for years on end, writer's block. So everything is sunshine and rainbows for the people who live in this fictitious world. So that's an interesting mm-hmm. sort of take on it. Um, very meta, very meta, and one that I hadn't heard, so I thought we'd just mention that because yeah, cool. e- even if it's you know you know probably isn't right, but it's an excellent meta way of looking at the show, hundred mm. percent. So I think
2: Stephen King would appreciate that.
0: I think he would appreciate that, even though he says doesn't you know don't look for the Easter eggs and stuff. I think he'd like that.
2: He's not the boss of me.
0: He ain't the boss of us.
2: Thanks for
1: that, Trista Firetray.
0: Yeah, like that, um, and that's kind of all we have time for feedback this week because we we we've, we've been recording for a long time, but. Um, Yes. Any feedback, any theories, any references that we've missed or any ideas that you have on the show, please do email us at fancriticalpodcast at gmail.com.
1: Just to, to reiterate, we do absolutely love it when we hear from people. Um, it's, it brightens our day, doesn't it? Yeah, so, definitely. Um, I,
0: I think it's great. And I mean, as I said, this sh- podcast for us has been very good. We're getting a lot of engagement. We're getting a lot of um, listeners interested in the content, interested in King Corner Mm. and interested in our opinions, which is fantastic. And we want to hear your opinions. So please do let us know um, anything we've missed or any crazy theories that you have like that Stephen King one just there. Kind of crazy, but I love it. And that's all we have time for this week. I want to say thanks to everyone for listening. Please do subscribe if you've enjoyed all of that sort of jazz. Grow the community. Keep the Castle Rock discussion going. And I want to say thanks to Gareth. Thank you, mate. I want to say thanks to Lucy.
2: Cheers. Uh,
0: Next week, John and Emma will return. John from his sabbatical. Hopefully he's cheered up. But until that point, see you next week, guys. Absolutely buzzing for the seventh episode of this season. See ya.
2: Bye.
1: Bye.